Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Marsha Lafemenina, the president of Penn Globe, also the production manager, Eduardo Melendez. Penn Globe is a lighting design and manufacturing company based in North Bramford, Connecticut. Marsha, Eduardo, welcome to the Meet the Manufacturers podcast. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. You are so welcome. Welcome along to the podcast. Going to fire some questions at you today and learn a little bit more about your company. We're going to start with you. You are the boss, Marsha. You are the president. I do love the fact that you give those titles here in the States. So tell me a little bit about your company and the products that you make. Well, thank you. We're America's oldest outdoor lighting manufacturer. Did not start here in Connecticut. We have our base in the Mid-Atlantic in the Philadelphia, Baltimore area prior to coming to Connecticut, but um, it's a nice distinction and we're very proud of that. We're a small, privately held, woman-owned manufacturing company located in North Brantford. The products we manufacture are outdoor street lights, generally at the pedestrian level. What started off as gas lights then moved into um, HID light sources, and now we're into the energy efficient LED light sources for, with sustainable features. And we're trying to introduce other options as in sensors and security cameras and some other inventions that we're working on right now to keep them progressive and moving forward. That's fantastic. Okay, so do you sell directly to towns and cities who install these lights or are they residentials or businesses or is it everybody? Residential is not our market. Our mm -hmm. Customer customer base principally is generally year over year, 50% municipal, 50% colleges and universities with a, a random um, amusement park project or hotel <laughs> project or movie theater production, uh, you know, site production for movies and uh, Broadway plays, that kind of thing. I've got to be honest, I did look at your website before we jumped on today, and some of them are beautiful. The range of the Victorian range, colonial range, they are beautiful. They're not a, what we would call in England a bog-standard streetlight. They are quite stunning. Thank you. And, uh, and, and hand made in different processes uh, because they are made here in America and they are made based on all the original tooling that goes, some of it goes back to 1877. You know, they're not imitation, they're not knockoffs, they're not made, quite frankly, overseas of a lesser quality. It's a, it's a high-end product. They are the real deal. So come on then, Marsha, tell me, did you always plan on working in lighting, in manufacturing? Was this always part of your career path or have you had a another life None before Penn Globe? <laughs> I had no life before Penn Globe, but that was not the plan. I went to school as an art major, which ultimately I think benefited the company 
that I have a little bit of, a, of an artistic bent to my personality, but I intended to be an art teacher. This is a family business. Didn't plan on joining it, but as you'll hear from several uh, family-owned businesses, one thing led to another, and I've been here for, I think now it's 31 years. So Wow, wow. That's incredible, you know, and that is a common theme that runs throughout all of these podcasts, particularly when you've got generational family-owned businesses, is the workforce are fiercely loyal with many, many, many employees racking up multiple, multiple years, multiple decades in many cases. So that is a kudos to the industry and to those companies. So I think we're, I think, I think we're unique too, because we have with um, Eduardo, we have another family that is um, deeply integrated into this business, which has been an interesting um, transformation of the company. Ah, um, he might want to, he might yeah. want to speak to that. Eduardo, welcome to the party. Come on then, tell me about how you ended up at Penn Globe and your involvement as the production manager. Fresh out of high school, I was working on a supermarket, pushing little cars. Finished high school, didn't know what to do with my life. So my father used to work for the company and I asked him if they was hiring. He brought me an application, came in, filled it in. And that's how everything started. And been with the company for 21 plus years already. Wow. 20. And you're you're quite young, I have to say, Eduardo. I'm looking at your beautiful face right there. You're quite young. <laughs> so 21 years already is quite yeah, a testament. And that's funny because I'm still 21. Of course. Sorry. I mean, how dare I even <laughs> assume not? <laughs> so tell me about you're the production manager. What does your, your job look like on the day to day, Eduardo? I got to be the first one to come in in the morning open up the shop, make my little walk around the shop, make sure that the guys are all set, everything is going smooth, they have everything that they need. Then I do also a little bit of a walk on the office, make sure that the parts that we need are ordered, they on track, and then go back to the shop and keep working. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about the equipment that you use to make your lighting. What, what equipment do you have on site in North Bramford? So we have a couple of MIG welding, aluminum, and also steel. We have a couple of CNC machinery, like a, the um, table plasma cutting. We got the shear, press brake, and also a punch turret. And... Um, <laughs> Yes. So you've got lots of toys to play with then? Yes, we do. <laughs> Brilliant. How many staff do you have on the production floor, Eduardo? On the production floor, including myself, we are five people. Wow. Um, and Marsha, across the company, how many employees do you do you have to oversee as, as the president? We are always somewhere between um, only 11 and 12 of us. Fantastic. A few number of people producing a great many results. Yeah, absolutely. And a real family atmosphere. I guess that's great for your employees to feel really valued. We hope so. I think Eduardo and I and, and others in the company, I don't want to say it, but principally the two of us, I think we work as hard as we know how to work to make sure that people are taken care of and have never felt that they didn't matter. I don't know any other way to say it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes sense. So when you're looking for new recruits, whether it be from your office, you know, on the office side of the business, if you like, 
or on the production floor, Eduardo. What are the skills and attributes you're looking for when resumes hit your desk, so to speak? We strive to employ people. That is the bottom line for us is if we can take someone who hasn't had the best um, career pathways in front of them, if we can find a way to make what they have a, a trainable base, then, then that's what we do. Most of the people who work for us have had that. They did not have a formal education. Many of them did not finish high school. We've had ex-offenders. We have had people who worked third shift single parents. So we have looked for a skill set that we think might work. Somebody who started college but wasn't able to finish it, but they bring some math skills with them so they could wind up working a, a nice position in the, in the front of the of the house, if you will. Same thing goes towards the back. Eduardo has taught people to weld who didn't know they wanted to be a welder, didn't have any welding experience. He's turned them into machine operators. I can go down, I can go down the list. And by introducing his sister, I said he has got family in, in the company as well. He introduced a woman onto our production floor this year, or I mean, uh, two years ago. So we create jobs around people, if that makes sense. Not the other way around. And that makes us different. I love Very that. Different. We create jobs around people. That is awesome. Eduardo, what about yourself? So you can't train anybody to be a MIG welder, surely. But uh, what skills and attributes do you look for in potential new employees who are going to be working under you? First thing, they have to be willing to learn. And when I say learn, it's everything. Because when I get a person in my shop, I like to train them to know how to do everything. That way, I always have something to do for them. I don't have to send nobody home because it's nothing for you to do. I like to train them cross-training. Like everybody in my shop, at least they know a little bit about everything from welding to machinery, to painting, to shipping. So that's one of the parts that I like about my job. And I also learn everything here because I didn't know none of these things. So whatever I know, I like to share it. That make my life easier too. Absolutely. And not everybody sees it like that, you know, but that is succession management perfectly described, isn't it? Is that, you know, without sounding awful, but if you got hit by a bus, could the company continue? So that sharing exactly. of the knowledge, yeah, that's so important. So, of course, we are coming hopefully to the end of this worldwide pandemic that has been COVID-19. Marsha, it's been a difficult time for many businesses. Some people have found opportunities that weren't there before. Others have struggled. How has the pandemic affected your business, particularly in terms of the supply chain? Have you seen a resurgence in Buy American, for example? How has it impacted you and your business? Well, we're poised. On, um, not from the supply chain size, but we're, we're poised to take advantage of the Buy American requirements that are forthcoming in the infrastructure. And we're very excited about that. We think that's going to give us some opportunities that maybe you know weren't so boldly out there before. As far as the pandemic is concerned, I just have to say that we were extremely fortunate from a financial point of view. All of the um, SBA, PPP, and EI. DL opportunities, we took advantage of them and we needed them because what happened for us was the good things. No one got sick. We never closed. No one had to work remotely and hasn't still. So I say we did, we did a pretty darn good job and we're proud of ourselves. 
That said, um, a lot of the work that we would have had last year just getting got pushed off with all the uncertainty. So that was the biggest thing. It was certainly not our strongest year. Contracts that we thought we were going to be shipping to major universities like last August and brought the inventory then in for, we shipped this March. That gives you an idea how long we were sitting. Wow. Yes. And when we and when we had made our advancements in deliveries over the last couple of years, we had deliveries down to like four to six weeks, which is incredible. And now we're tracking it now, we're we're up to nine weeks, which is still not bad considering most of the industry is like 16 and 22 weeks out, but it's a big change for us. Um, so the supply chain is, is aside from the cost, we're a specific example that I think illuminates what we're dealing with. We make light poles. We have to have long extruded pieces of pipe, right? To be able to cut up, to make poles. Mm-hmm. Um, lead times now are 22 weeks, 16 weeks if we want to pay a 30% premium on top of the already increased prices from 35% from six months ago. Wow. So that means that if we write an order today in August, we couldn't possibly ship it until 2022. That's crazy. That's just crazy. Wow. So we're, wow. Look, we're looking for it to stabilize. Very looking much forward so. To it to stabilize. And yeah. where do those metal poles come from? Are they, they, they're coming from within America. Yeah, yeah. We, and it's it, yep, it's our aluminum um, dyes. Um, metal runs through a series of dyes to get fluted, uh-huh. um, right? So just fluted shafts of metal. But they're our dyes, and they are being made here in the United States. Wow. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. So it's- other than coronavirus, are you tackling any other exciting new opportunities or challenges just at the moment? We actually are. We're a little bit um, limited of what we can say, but what we will say is, is that we're taking advantage of all of the exciting um, things that Connecticut has to offer to help manufacturers. We're working with um, CCAT and some other folks to introduce something that is completely new, different, sustainable um, to our marketplace, and we think it has enormous potential. So we're looking forward to getting that up and running by the end of the year. You, you've got me very excited now. I was going to ask you about sustainability credentials. I've got to be honest, because talk to me. Do, do you yet utilize the power of solar within your lighting? Well, people like Eduardo would like us to have done that like two years ago. I'm um, with you. I'm with you, Eduardo. I'm with you. <laughs> what we're seeing now are some, um, it, it, was a, it took a large battery up until mm-hmm. very recently to be able to make that work. Light fixtures are not standalone, they're a, a network of yep. things. And I think the technology that Eduardo has brought for us to look at is look making it look like we could do it. I mean, it fits, we you know um, solar panels would fit on our light fixtures, no problem, all day, every day. Um, it's just some of the internal mechanics have to get to scale so that we can actually implement it. Exciting stuff. When you master that, Marsha, Eduardo, come back to me. I want to do a whole separate podcast on that. I'm fascinated by the idea of, of harnessing solar power, particularly obviously in your field. You, I can't think of a better synergy there. A question for you, Eduardo, if I may. What advice would you give somebody who is thinking about exploring a career in manufacturing? Uh, why should they even explore it? You know, they could do anything with their lives. Why should they choose manufacturing? Why would you recommend it to newbies, to people on their way? My personal opinion, 
I didn't even know I was going to be here for so long. I thought that this was just going to be a temporary thing, something to get by into I figure out my life. And during the past years, I figure out and I, I don't know if it's the company. Actually, I know it's the people that I work with. They've been so um, nice to me. And also the stuff that I do, I, I do, I love it because coming here without knowing nothing and self-training and um, learning how to use all this new equipment, like start from the old equipment from the, uh, to the new one, like everything is getting to computers. Oh, the first thing people think that this is, like I was saying, like a temporary thing and they don't look like a, as a career and they should look as a career because it is a future in, in manufacturing. It's a lot of things you can do. I see people that can start from the bottom and end up with their own place, like running their own show. And um, it's a lot of things to learn here, good things. You can also help the economy. You can also build stuff like the stuff, that product that we build. Every time I still, it's been 20 plus years and I still go outside and see our products and be like, I tell my family, they, they know already. We built that. We, <laughs> I made we that. We built that. I made that. Yeah. <laughs> there is that sense of achievement, isn't there, with, with the manufacturing mm -hmm. community? Because at the end of your shift, you've made something. You've created mm -hmm. something. You've not pushed paper around a desk and talked to a few people on the phone. You physically made something. That must be super rewarding, for sure. And spe especially like our company, everything is custom made. Yeah. It's not like we buy something and we just resell it. No, we got to build everything from scratch. It's so it feels cool. good. Like it feels really good. Oh, and cool. also, it, it's also feel good. Like you can help people out. Like I brought my sister, my oldest sister, and it feel good. Like her boss from my oldest sister. So, and I also have my, my brother. He's also in the shop. This is like two big family from the office. It's, most of them are Marshall's family. And then on the shop, I got my family there. And it's like two big families got together. And then the rest of the guys that work with us has been here for more than 10 years. So they family too. I see these people more than I see my family. And I love to uh, spend time with my family. But I get to see them too, like more than my family. So I consider them my family. Absolutely. That family environment and, and a positive environment. Yeah, I think it really helps with productivity as well. Marsha, question for you then. Do you have any predictions about the future of manufacturing per se? And also perhaps about doing business in the state of Connecticut. Any uh, predictions for the future or thoughts on that? Well, I think in general in Connecticut, I don't think that Connecticut could have worked harder than we have in the last, I don't know, I'll, I'll say four or five years to refocus the positive benefits of manufacturing and to um, support manufacturers. I, I know people complain about taxes and a, a myriad of other things, but you can't you can't not see the extent to which the state has tried to support manufacturing from product development, from hiring, from training, employee retention, incumbent worker training. I mean, there's just so many resources. I'll qualify that by saying that I'm not sure enough people know about that. So I think we have mm -hmm. a marketing challenge, a challenge ahead of us, huge marketing challenge. So I think it's the future is bright here in Connecticut. I think we will 
figure out how to deal with the workforce shortage. I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get there strongly. Um, as far as doing business in Connecticut, that's different for us. We do not, we don't actually sell in Connecticut where our, our, our customers are all over the country. Um, we do make the lights for Yukon. So that has been very nice for the last 10 years or so. We, we really do appreciate that. We looked, looked at that from the get-go as a really super model of, um, you know, a state institution, Connecticut taxpayers, you know, paying to support, quite frankly, a Connecticut manufacturer, us turning it around, trying to buy principally from Connecticut suppliers for the materials, you know, is a win-win-win situation. So I really can't speak too much, though, to doing business within Connecticut, you know, selling in Connecticut. That makes sense. That makes sense. So come on then, you two, when you're not working, which seems like it's actually quite joyous and full of fun anyway, when you're not focused on your work, what do you like to do to relax? Start with you, Marsha, if I may. What do you like to, to relax and unwind doing? That's a very tough question to answer this year. This has been a, a tough <laughs> year in relaxing. And, um, you know, for me, um, <laughs> music, trivia, and concerts are are my jam. That's wow. what I do. Really? Um, I have a, yeah, I have a list of, you know, all the concerts I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen so many now. I, now I'm just trying to change venues to see people at different places so it doesn't get stale. So, um, <laughs> you know, like like that, but it's what I do. I love that. Concerts. Music um, trivia, by the way, is the reason why everybody wants me on there. Their, we have pub quizzes in England, like trivia quizzes in restaurants. That's my specialist subject. So we must get together. Okay, well then we can... you're, okay but you're not going to broadcast this, but I just you know, edit this out. I classify myself as one of the world's largest Peter Gabriel fans from the days gone by. You're going to fess up to that. You're going to fess up to yeah. that publicly. Go on, Marsha. <laughs> and, El and, 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 and Elbow, they're my favorites. They're, no they're some of my favorites. Fantastic. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, if you find a music trivia competition, we should enter. I think we could win that. Back on track then. Eduardo, what about yourself? What do you like to do to relax and unwind when you're not at work? Let's do it. Before I used to be outside all the time, like going out, party like a rock star and all that stuff. But now during the years. <laughs> You're I only got, 31. Got... You're only 31, remember. Don't give your age away. 21. 21. 21. Sorry, 21. <laughs> <laughs> so now I got my family and I consider myself a family. I'm so happy with the family that I have, my wife, my kids. And I love spending time with them. I love grilling going out with them, do stuff with the family. And that's what I love to do. Oh, fantastic. How many children do you have, Eduardo? I have three girls. Wow. No wonder you work long hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful, beautiful. Last couple of questions then for you guys. Gonna start with you, Marsha, if I may. What has been your greatest success, both professionally and personally? I tried to live my entire life around the concept that there was nothing more important than than family. I, I can't stress that enough. And I feel for the most part, personally and in here, I've lived that way. Um, Eduardo and I had this conversation, you know, it was a very liberating day when I knew I was never gonna die rich, but that we would, you know, <laughs> take care of as, much, as many people, you know what I mean, as, as, as we possibly, as we possibly could. I love that. Um, I mean, I feel a need to share with you that this company has been 
in my mind, extraordinary. I feel that if, if I did die and fall off the face of the earth, that the things that we've done, you know, um, helping plant community gardens on weekends, going to the prison on Whaley Avenue and regularly and meeting with the soon to be released ex-offenders, trying to get them, you know, uh, working, helping to, um, I won't say construct, but helping to get ready this entire spring with the um, homeless shelter transition for the 18 um, homeless mothers and their families down in New Haven. I mean, these guys, these guys and women went over and spent an entire day, just two of them, right? Two and a half, three days, um, just getting these places ready, helping the foster family, people at our kids move their facility. They're just good people trying to do good things. And I, I think the connection between the good sustainable lighting that we're trying to keep develop. I, I, th I think that really speaks to who we are. What do you think, Eduardo? You stole, oh, you see, you stole what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. What incredible achievements within your community. That is absolutely superb to hear and inspiring, you know, that you are essentially a fairly small manufacturing operation, but your efforts are far reaching in changing people's lives much more than just the products that you create. That is a kudos to you, Marsha and Eduardo, for sure. What about yourself then, Eduardo? What has been your greatest success, both professionally and personally? It feel good professionally, like with this small group that I have without them, I don't know where I would be because my thing is the number one. I was going to say that this is the best thing ever. And we sold small group. Like right now we are making a lot of orders. Like we're working on a hundred pieces and we're getting this done in a week and a half. And people like, it feel good. Like when we ship people think like we are a big multimillion company with a whole bunch of people. And then when they come see that it's only few people on the shop, few people in the office, and we, we get this thing done from scratch, they be like, wow, this is awesome. And it feel good. And it feel good. Absolutely. On the personal, on the personal level, like I grow so much that I, when I look back, I, I look at my old self, I'll be like, wow, I can't believe I was that guy. And now, yeah, it feel good. Coming out of that big hole that I was, now I can see the light. It's fantastic. What a transition. Really inspiring podcast today, guys. I just want to thank you so much for your time. And I'd also, if people want to continue the conversation, Marsha, if they're interested in your products, how can they get in touch with you or find out more about Pen Globe? Our website is penglobe.com. They can reach out to us there, call the office, um, ask for either Eduardo or myself, and we would be happy to guide them through what, what we do over here. Absolutely fantastic. Eduardo, Marsha, thank you for your time today. It's been an absolute privilege speaking to you and I can't wait to hear about your exciting new developments. Thanks for your time and for being on thank Meet you, the Manufacturers. Claire. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT or you would like to join the organisation, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, advisory, assurance, tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. 
If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding, redrockbranding.com.